0: Joy. It's listed amongst the fruit of the Spirit, that Spirit being the Spirit of God, so it must be an attribute of the Father. But what is the joy of God? Is He joyful only in blessing His children, or does He also have joy in judgment and correction? Jesus was said to have joy, but was also called the man of sorrows. So what made Him joyful? What about us? How can we be joyful and maintain that joy amidst persecution? What can cause us to lose our joy? And how can we know that we bring joy to the Father's heart? I want to know.
1: I want to welcome each and every one of you. To this week's episode of the Doctrine of Christ. And it's with great joy that I do that because the Doctrine of Christ, whether you know it or not, is the most important thing in your life. And I am just filled with joy today, Brother Jimmy. Amen.
0: Me too. I, <laughs> I, I hear about some really cool event that's coming up in a few weeks.
1: Yeah. Or, on June 5th. On June the 5th, here at the Puritan Barn, there will be a Feast of Pentecost celebration, and Jimmy Cooper's gonna be here, (laughs) and we're excited about that. We're gonna there's gonna be a tent that'll hold seat about five hundred people in the big tent. Jimmy will be singing. uh, Ken Tucker, uh, who was up for a previous event, a lot of you got to meet Ken. He'll be singing. Donna will be singing. uh, Dorothy Sisson and um, Sherry Campbell. It's gonna be a great time. And it's going to be music. We're going to have food. Uh, we're going to have fellowship. We're going to have a, a lot of time where we can meet with as many people personally as we can. And we're going to have a baptism. We're going to have an evening evangelistic message. Uh, John will probably be speaking, too. You know, mm-hmm. it's, got, it's just going to be a great time, a fellowship. And it's going to be a feast. It's going to be a celebration. And... Uh, Go to fojcradio.com to our ministry news page. You can get information on signing up or contact Lisa in the now UC TV office. Everybody must pre-register. There will be no registration at the door. We want to emphasize this. And uh, so don't, if you haven't pre-registered, don't drive a long way. Want to come? Don't do it. You know, everyone must pre-register for a so- lot of reasons.
0: So don't make you out to be a bad
1: guy? No, no. We've got to, you know, every, we're emphasizing that strongly. Everyone has to pre-register. That's well, you've got to know mean, how much food to prepare and all kinds well, of Well, it is, and there will be no nothing sold on that day because it is a Sabbath. So the food recommendations, it's a high Sabbath. So everything will be taken care of beforehand in that regard of uh, the well, I, just a lot of the details. We're going to have a, a a printed out uh, letter with all the details of the event. So it's going to be just going to be a great time, a fellowship and celebration. It'll just be good for a lot of you to come up and meet Brother Jimmy, and uh, just going to be a great time. So hey, we're looking forward to it. As many of you as are led by the Lord, come be with us at the Puritan Barn. Going to be a great time. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to get into our study. And we are here in season six, we are studying the attributes of God. And as I was, and I've studied the attributes of God under many great scholars. And one of them, John Gill in his body of divinity, he listed an attribute that I didn't see any of the others list joy. Mm. And that caught my eye because this was different. It was different and fresh to me. So I have greatly benefited from this because I have deepened my understanding of the very nature of what God is in a very profound way. So let's um, let's begin, and let's begin by a statement from John Gill. And uh, he said that. He says this. This is his book, The Body of Divinity, page 102. He says, joy is expressed by him in very different effects, as in inflicting punishment, as well as in conferring benefits. In the one, he rejoices in the glory of his justice and holiness, and in the other, in the display of his grace and goodness. Now, this is something that's difficult for our carnal minds to get around, but God rejoices in punishing people, and God rejoices in blessing people. Now, in the scripture, in Deuteronomy, chapter 28 and 63, and it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught, and ye shall be plucked off from the land whither thou goest to possess it. And we can relate this to perhaps a child that goes astray and we punish them and we are joyful that we're able to do something to turn them from the path they're on. Mm-hmm. And like Brother Gill said, because of his holiness and justice, which are concepts we're going to take a deep look at, even in his punishment, he rejoices in it. Because it's from his very nature and being that these things come about, always for the good. Now, in, in God, he's always joyful. And you see, we have to think of the idea of being feeling good about what we do. We all have to do things. Uh, Sometimes the church has to bring discipline. Sometimes we have to cut relationships with friends. Sometimes we have to speak a word of correction to a friend we know. But if we always do it in line with the nature of God and his attributes, we can have joy even when we do difficult things. And here's one of the keys. It's just like God, he has joy, whether he is blessing or whether he is punishing, and we should strive, and of course, we are an imperfect example of the perfect example of God, but if we can have joy in everything we do, and if we're going to do something, we should ask ourselves this, if we're wondering whether to do it or not, would this cause me to lose my joy? Mm. And anything that would cause us to lose our joy is something that we should not do. Now, look at this scripture in 1 John chapter 3, uh, and we'll begin reading in verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. This is speaking of how we know we're in the truth. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God if our heart condemns us and we cannot have joy in that which we're doing we know we're doing the wrong thing because god one of his attributes is joy and whatever he's doing he will do it by maintaining his joy now that's a that's a very profound hmm. and a powerful thought now in uh, revelation chapter 19 Beginning in verses one through three. And a lot of, and we're going to really delve into the justice and the holiness of God to really fine tune those understandings. But in Revelation 19, and after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again, they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. Now, if you read chapter 18, what happened? A city just got smoked here. A city got decimated and the smoke rose up. And in heaven, they're saying, Alleluia, Hmm. praise God. Because these are God's enemies. These are the enemies and the persecutors of the people of God. And when God in his justice and holiness says enough's enough and he smokes them, the angels in heaven rejoiced. And here we have to really understand um, the judgment of God and how we are to react to it. We are not to take a vindictive, morbid pleasure in the suffering of others. That's, Horrifically ungodly, but we had one of our listeners. There was four forest fires in California, and they asked me to pray that those fires stop. And I said, well, I I can't. I can pray for the protection of God's people in that area. But those fires are the judgment of God. And I can't pray against the hand of God. That's moving in judgment. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So we have to and we're going to see a lot of God's judgment." And we have to really be discerning how we act to that in our hearts and our spirits. And the enemies of God are going to pay a horrific price. And we can always ask ourselves, who is it that is persecuting Bible Christians, that's persecuting the message and the truth of God going forth? Those are God's enemies. Mm -hmm. And those people are going to suffer the fate we see here of the great whore of the great apostate church. So we have to really be um, in tune in our spirit, not to get into the flesh and be vindictive and also not to lose our joy at a time when God's moving in judgment. (laughs) Now there's a very profound statement here made by Adam Clark. And this is a little bit of a sidestep, but I got to share this with you and his comments there. He said the idolatrous city is being destroyed and the blood of the martyred saints being avenged, there is a universal joy among the redeemed of the Lord. We're in a war here, and there's going to be a point in time when the Father's going to step in in a big way. Now, listen, and the word hallelujah is basically a transliteration of the Hebrew word. And Adam Clark says this, and this is amazing. He says, it is worthy of remark, that the Indians of North America have the same word in their religious worship and use it in the same sense. In their places of worship or beloved square, they dance sometimes for a whole night, always in a bowing posture, and frequently sing, Hallelujah, Yehovah, Praise yeah, Yehovah. Now, how did they get that? <laughs> you know, how did they come up with that? Now, This has been my belief for a long time, and I have expanded that, and that's beyond the scope of our study, but I believe that during the time when the children of Israel went into Canaan, that there were Rephaim that came to North America. I also believe that in the time of Solomon, that Solomon's Navy came to America, and there's a case to be made that Solomon's copper mines, some of them were in Michigan. And in Eastern Kentucky, but I'm going to leave that there because that's a little off the purview, but I couldn't resist sharing that because that's amazing, yeah, that is just amazing to me. well
0: you, you know, I remember growing up watching all these shows, westerns and stuff, and when they'd have Native Americans on there, one of their chances was, "Hey, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, yeah," And I never even thought about that, but yeah, they, if that's a, a a battle cry for them, they're at now I, I re- hear that, and I'm like,
1: they're calling out for God to help them. They got that word somewhere that, you know, and uh, so that's amazing. Yeah. Now, in John chapter 17, verse 13, and now come I to speak and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Listen to that. Jesus has joy. Jesus had joy in serving the father, but also joy was a part of his being. He had joy, even though he was the man of sorrows and experiencing sorrow is not antithetical to experiencing joy at all times. And let's just read that again. And now I come to thee and speak these things. What are the things that Jesus spoke? Well, that's the doctrine of Christ, isn't Mm -hmm. it, Jimmy? These things I speak in the world. Why? That they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The purpose of the doctrine of Christ as he gave it is that the joy of Christ be fulfilled in us. Wow. That's why I say over and over, whether you know it or not, the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life. And here we want to come to this preeminent fact that the doctrine of Christ, if we can just get in it up to our ears, it will give us joy at all times. Now, to have the joy of Christ... We obviously have to be joyful about the things that he's joyful about and to and these things I spoke unto you that my joy would be fulfilled in you. So when we can plug in what Christ was joyful about and we can get into the doctrine of Christ and be joyful about that, too, we can have joy as a part of our essential nature each and every day of our life, whatever we are going through. Mm. Now that's amazing. And we're going to relate this forward done specifically to tribulation prophetically. So this
0: joy is not necessarily means we're walking around laughing and everything's, and we're just oblivious to everything. Is it more like a we have a rest and a confidence and a peace about who we are and who we, who we believe in
1: or it's, it's not a (laughs) no, no, it's not a giddy superficial joy. Like you'd get when you get an ice cream sundae or a new dress, but it's a deep joy and satisfaction knowing that we are doing the will of God and that whatever we suffer because of that, that's okay. And we can still have joy. Now, let's look specifically what Jesus had joy in. In Psalm chapter 40, beginning in verse 7, Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O God. Thy law is within my heart. I delight to do thy will. Thy law's in my heart. This is what gave Christ joy. This is what enabled him to endure horrific sufferings unto death because he had. And by the way, that law's within my heart. That's the new covenant, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The first covenant, the finger wrote it on the stone. In the second covenant, the finger wrote those same commandments on our heart. These were in the heart of Christ also. He delighted to do God's will. The law was within his heart. And by the way, this is quoted that no one would have any um, chance to not understand that this spoke specifically of Christ. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, this is quoted beginning in verse five. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book; it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And you ever wonder what book they're talking about? You know, Christ is getting ready to come. You know, I, I, I really don't want those animal sacrifices. They were there for a type to point to me, but don't want sacrifices and offering, but a body has been prepared for Christ that he could die as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world to take away our sins. And it's written in the volume of the book. Well, I want to know what book, Jimmy, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) I want to know what book it is. Well, I think it's this book right here in uh, Psalm chapter 139 and verse 16. And this is very timely concerning the uh, abortion issue in Psalm 139, verse 16, thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect, even as that baby was being formed in the womb. Mm -hmm. God's eye saw it. And in thy book, all, My members are written every finger and toe of every little baby born is written in the book. And that's the same volume of the book where it was written that before uh, from the foundation of the world, that Christ would become flesh and a body would be prepared for him to come and die for the sins of the world. How timely. Let's I'm going to read that amazing. That whole scripture again, it's so uh, it should melt hard hearts. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Hallelujah. Hmm. Now. What we're talking about. Christ delighted to do the will of God. The law was within his heart, and he had joy. Now, that's what he delighted in. Now, what I'm talking about is not uh, like we said, it's not uh, getting a nice new dress or a shirt or whatever you can get that would make you happy. and it's nothing wrong with being happy. It's better. What about be a excited. new book? New hey now, that'd make us happy, wouldn't it? But what I'm talking about here. You don't get any other way than the Romans 12 way. Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just reasonable. He suffered and died for you. It's just reasonable that you should give your all to him Mm -hmm. and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Yes, so many believers, are you in God's will? I don't know. Well, you're never gonna know. You're never gonna find the will of God any other way than right here. And the joy that we're talking about tonight, it doesn't come any other way than the Romans 12, 1-2 way. But, and people think, well, I can't do that. But what we're talking about tonight, could you imagine, and this is almost, this is such good news, the gospel is good news, and this is such good news that you can actually have joy in your heart, whatever you go through in this life. Hmm. Can you imagine what a blessing that is, that whatever comes, whatever goes, that you can have the joy of God as a part of you? The apostle Peter said that we have been made partakers of the divine nature. and Just as joy is an attribute of the father, joy is an attribute of Christ. And he said, I want to give my joy to you. And I've written these things that that can come about. So if we submerse ourselves in the doctrine of Christ and can so identify with him, that's something that the old, uh, scholars would talk about identification we identify in our death of the old man on the cross and we identify with Christ as fulfilling his mission just like he was already here and the obedience of Christ it if it isn't this it's not enough and you know i don't want to suffer physical pain or you know i don't want to do that but it if I have, yeah, it hurts it's not good but if i have to i will you know and i don't say that braggadociously but i've made my mind up we're going to see this thing out and we're not going to compromise and in uh the book of philippians chapter two and eight it wasn't any half-hearted commitment that Christ gave in Philippians 2 and 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. His obedience didn't, uh, it wasn't real good all the way up until a half hour before the cross, and he says, well, I've done enough. And our commitment to Christ has to be Unto the death, that is the lowest level of faith that is acceptable. That sounds strange to the ears of modern Christians that are saturated with easy, easy believism, prosperity, gospel, and the greasy grace message. But the absolute, lowest level of faith and commitment that God will accept is faithful unto the death in revelation 12 and 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. And just a few verses down in verse 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. There's those bookends of the remnant doctrine of Christ commandments of God. There it is. And uh, this is what Christ brought to us that delighted to do God's will that had the law written upon his heart. And then he died upon the cross and he wrote the law upon our heart. And right here is the offense of the cross. Right here is where people stumble. They'll they'll say the sinner's prayer. They'll repent of A few things, they'll change a little bit and a little bit of that. But there's that word surrender and that old hymn, I surrender all. And until we're ready to come like Romans 12, to lay ourselves on that heavenly altar, all of it as a living sacrifice and say, Lord, um, thy will be done. Because you delight to do the Father's will, I delight to do your will. And if we can just do that, whatever we go through in this life, we can have joy that is more important than all the golden fort Knox, if there even is any Golden Fort Knox anymore.
0: You know this reminds me, David, of um, we did an episode, maybe mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. three or four on repent or deliverance, yeah, and somebody commented on it. A couple of months ago, they were, they were just mentioning how they, they've, they, they gave a brief instruction of, or a description of their horrible existence they've had so far in life. And it really did sound horrible and, and all the things they'd been subjected to, you know, and, and, but they said, so when I saw the, the title of this, I, I was so full of hope. And then after I've watched all this, I feel more miserable and lost and hopeless than ever. And I'm like, what did we say in this episode that, was, that would make you think it was unattainable? And I went back and watched it. And the whole message, David, that you were giving us was repentance and obedience. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm thinking, so that is unattainable for you? You can't, asking you to be obedient and, and just obey the word makes you feel hopeless?
1: And this obviously tells us that it was not this individual's joy to do the will of God.
0: Right. That's that's what that's why it reminded me of that. That's yeah. Why I, I was thinking yeah. when you were saying that, I'm like, well, they don't, they don't have that joy to serve the Lord.
1: And I'm not here. We had another individual. He contacted us, and he lives several states away. And he says, I I believe that if I just come. And you can lay your hands and pray for me that um, my problems will be taken care of. And I said, sir, don't come. It doesn't work like that. Hmm. And I would be remiss. You see, I can't do anything for anybody. I mean, all I can do is tell you how to get into position where the Lord can help you. Yeah, we can build
0: each other up, edify each other.
1: And I would be remiss here. And I've emphasized that, and I will again that what we're talking about here today is obtainable by anybody that doesn't come the Romans twelve in one way uh but Jesus said, if you lukewarm, you spewed out today, the idea that is put over the minds of professed Christians is that lukewarm is normal, you know lukewarm's okay, you know well,
0: unfortunately, it is normal, but that don't make it okay. <laughs>
1: and And I think <clears throat> some of them that have to heat up to be lukewarm, it but it is, but mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here today is real. It's the very joy that's an attribute of God. It's a very joy that's an attribute of Christ. and I, I want to read this text. I've referred to it a couple times, but I think I probably better read it in second Peter chapter one and Verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. We become partakers of the divine nature. So if joy is in the divine nature of the father and joy is in the nature of the son, of course, Christ is God also. Then when we have the divine nature within us, joy becomes one of our attributes of our new nature. And we know that joy is a fruit of the spirit also, Mm -hmm. but this joy, if we will just keep ourselves centered, this joy can be a part of our life, whatever we go through. Now, um, I think think that that uh, that's almost too much for a lot of people to believe, but it's true and it's real and it's right.
0: Well, something you just said just sparked a thought in me like, all right, a fruit of the spirit, and God is the Spirit. God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Mm-hmm. All of those fruits of the Spirit are attributes of God. Because they're they the fruit are. of the Spirit. And that's what we're supposed to be
1: showing in our lives. That blesses me that you said that. But that thought just profoundly overwhelmed me this week. That all of the fruits of the Spirit are the attributes. And that's what happens, whether joy or peace or long-suffering when the new nature is imparted to us, it would be natural that these attributes of God would flow through us through the Holy spirit. It's exactly what it is. And this shows us again, the profound importance of understanding the attributes of God. Hmm. Wow. It is, it's just awesome. Now here's another profound text. And I guess I should say that about all of them, but in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse two, looking unto Jesus, Jesus, The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him. Now, this is more than just an idea that I'll be in heaven someday. That's not a bad thought to have before you either. But it was a constant spiritual state. And of course, Jesus said, I didn't do anything but what I saw the father do. I didn't make these words up my own. They're the father's words. And for that constant presence of the father that he was in, that joy that was set before him moment by moment, he said. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God for the joy that was constantly before him of doing the father's will. He was stripped naked and hung publicly. He hung nude on a cross for us.
0: Wow. You know, and that joy that he, he, that was set before him, it, it was also that he knew he was making a way for us. That, he was, that was part of his joy and that obedience, knowing that he was going to be a sacrifice for us so that we would be able to enter
1: in to the Holy of Holies. Now, what the book of Hebrews tells us there in Hebrews 12 and 2, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame, the suffering unto death. What he was saying is right here. In Nehemiah 8 and 10. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our God, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what Hebrews 12 and 2 is saying. It was for the joy that he endured it all. Mm. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we lose our joy, we lose our strength. It was that joy. Jesus had joy going to the cross because he knew it was the Father's will. And that was his strength. If we can keep that focused, that we are so focused on doing the will of God, and whatever we suffer for that, this is like Jesus taught in Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are ye. When you're persecuted, we can begin to understand these texts when we begin to delve into this concept of joy being an absolute attribute of God and of Christ and of this being imparted unto us and what Jesus said, these things I've written unto you that my joy will be in you, you say it's communicated through the doctrine of Christ because through the doctrine of Christ, that's how we understand Um How to do the will of the father. So it's all right there. Hmm. I want to read something from a lady. I think we've had her on before. Feed Palmer. And Feed Palmer. Was a lady that I always say. She had the most successful home bible study. In history. And this lady. uh, Was just I guess. A special lady. And the most famous ministers. From all over the world. Even from England would come. To sit and listen to this lady, just a humble lady. But and she said this. This is a Can book I see the book? This is called Entire Devotion to God mm. by Phoebe Palmer. All right. And she wrote in the time during and after the Civil War. And she said this. And there's a whole chapter in this book called The Joy of The Joy of Christ: How to Obtain the Joy of Christ. Mm. And she says this. With Christ dwelling within, the same spirit that inspires Christ inspires the soul. The joy that inspires Christ is the inspiration of that soul. And a conscious identification, she uses that word I was talking about, a conscious identification of interest in the work that brought the Savior from heaven on earth. How? Blissful. There has to be a laser beam identification. We have to know what Christ came for, the mission. He delivered unto us the Great Commission to teach everything that He taught. When we can identify that, we can have joy no matter what we suffer, if we're suffering in, in the way of the fulfillment of that mission. She goes on to say, Christians then may be joyful and have joy in prospect also, though in the work of bringing souls from under the dominion of Satan to Christ, sorrows deep and heart-searching have to be endured. And certainly, it would be morbid and nonsensical to say That in times of the loss of a loved one or many other crises that people go through, that there would be a euphoric, giddy happiness. But in all things, this joy is there, that joy of knowing that whatever we're going through, if I just keep focused on fulfilling that great commission and identify with Christ, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Going to be all right. Now, this is a very, very powerful spiritual concept. And until people do that, they don't come into the understanding of what the Apostle Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. And in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul said that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The fellowship of his sufferings. And until a person is totally committed to fulfilling that mandate that came from Christ of building the kingdom of God, believing and following and teaching, teaching all things whatsoever I have commanded you. These things I have written unto you that my joy will be in you. That's where it is. That's why the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing. And I guarantee you, anyone that does that will suffer. Christ suffered. He suffered more than any of us ever will. But as we do that, there will be, listen to this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul longed to know Christ, not only in the power of the resurrection, but in the fellowship of his sufferings.
0: We read all the time about those guys considering it awesome that they were being, they were found worthy to be punished because they were affiliated with the name Christ Jesus. And, they would they they would be beaten and they would be singing praises and rejoicing because of it, you know? It's just, uh, you just sit
1: and think, would I do that? <laughs> I don't know. We can think of Polycarp, who they were going to tie him to the stake and burning him alive. He said, no, boys, you don't have timing. I'll just stand here, no problem. And as he was burning alive, the last thing they heard out of his mouth was not screams, but praise unto God. Or John Wycliffe, when they lit the fires around John Wycliffe, he said, hallelujah. Oh, God, open the king of England's eyes. And God did open the eyes of King James. And uh, Wycliffe was killed for translating the word of God. And it was a marvelous translation. Or not Wycliffe, Tyndale, I'm sorry, John Tyndale. Tyndale. Yeah. Yeah, Tyndale, not Wycliffe, but it was Tyndale that prayed that. And sure enough, the Lord did open the kingdom of England's eyes. Mm. And the King James Bible drew heavily from the work of Tyndale and uh, Tyndale's what God laid upon his heart was brought about. So it's just
0: before that. Right.
1: Yeah. And uh, I said Wycliffe, I meant Tyndale. Now, Feed Palmer goes on to say. And the Christian possessing the spirit of his master, for the joy set before him in the prospect of saving souls and bringing many sons to glory, will be brought to know the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. And if you're really teaching the doctrine of Christ, I guarantee you, you will. Uh, I'm not here to wide anybody. I'm not here to, like many people, will lie to you and say, well, you just say a prayer and uh, I'll anoint you with the oil and everything fine. And there's a reality to prayer and laying on of hands. I'm not saying there isn't, but it doesn't happen. What we're talking about here doesn't happen aside of Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And anybody that does go, the Romans 12, 1 and 2 way you will come to know Christ in the fellowship of his sufferings. And do you want to? Paul rejoiced to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. He wanted to endure the same things. It was a joy to him to endure the persecution for putting forth the message. He wanted to know the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. There's no other way to do that. There's no other way to do that. She goes on to say, then the joy of Christ may be, the joy of Christians. Christians must be happy, and they will be happy, if the aims which inspire the heart of the Savior inspire their hearts. And how true. If the same Holy Spirit that drove Christ drives our heart, then we will absolutely have the fellowship of Christ's sufferings.
0: Have you ever read uh, Edwards' Resolutions? Jonathan Edwards resolutions.
1: I I'm not ringing the bell with me if I have.
0: Well, just a lot of this that you're reading just reminds me. He wrote these when he was 19 years old, and he would just things that he was resolved to do. And oh yeah, you know, and this is one of the. And he had I don't know how many's in the in that. There's like a hundred or more. You know, just little sentences, little you know. I'm resolved to whatever you know there's just so many of them and so a lot of these things you're reading and and talking about and talking about paul and just reminded me of that because he was very dedicated as well And 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 just
1: wanted to you know the word that is applied there is commitment yeah he was committed he was committed you know when we enter into a marriage we should be committed to doing those things that will make that marriage successful and happy. He was committed. Yeah. You know, I will do this. And he, and whenever you write something down, that means it's important. You want to remember it. And he went on the record, so to speak. He yeah. went on the record. And he, yeah. it
0: might've even just been for him to read it every day and remind himself.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I would, I would bet that it is. Yeah. Now there's an awesome scripture in Colossians one twenty four who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Now, Paul was rejoicing in suffering for the church in Colossae, for the labors he put forth there and the persecutions and imprisonment he suffered, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ. I'm rejoicing, Church at Colossae, for my suffering right now for you. And I am filling up the sufferings of Christ. Paul had the concept of the body of Christ. That great revelation revealed to Paul in Scripture. Paul understood that he was now doing just exactly what Christ would do if he were here. Mm. He was filling up the very sufferings of Christ. That's identification. We should identify with Christ just that resolutely and just that clearly that these things he wrote that we can have this joy within us. We identify like a laser beam with that great commission that these things... He has commanded that we teach all things whatsoever he delivered unto us.
0: And Paul was convinced enough that he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to read this whole verse in without stopping. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake which is the church and to saying the church is the body of christ that's more than just a clever little thing to say that means we are doing just what he would be doing if he was here and that is the the very crux and also by the way if you look that word affliction up in Colossians 1.24, this is uh, 62.34 in the Greek. That is the, uh, no, that's 23.47 in the Greek. That's the word philipsis, and that is the word tribulation. And this specifically speaks to maintaining joy because of persecution during tribulation. Because we're continuing to do what Christ would do if he was here. And his delight was to do the will of the Father. The law was written in his heart. And he wants us to have that joy. Mm. He wants us. He, he wants his joy to be in us. Because that joy is what enabled him to endure the cross. That joy was his strength. He wants that joy to be in us that that joy will be our strength. Now, how does this become a reality in our life? This is what we need to ask. Let's look at uh, John chapter 15 and verse 11. And this, I mean, that sounds scary. We're here telling people, well, you gotta uh, be ready to die, and you do. And the things we say are hard to the carnal ears, and it sounds almost impossible, but it's not. It's not impossible for the most humble of believers of which I count myself, because it is not from anything within us that this is attainable. Mm-hmm. It comes it comes from beyond us, and it's something put into us from the throne of God. In John chapter 15, verse 11, listen to this. This gets even more clear. These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. Here again. It's the things that I have spoken. I've been teaching these things. These things I have spoken unto you. That my joy might. Remain in you. Not just. Here the first part of the week. And gone the last. But I want my joy to remain in you. These things I have spoken unto you. That my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. This is the purpose of of the doctrine of Christ to impart unto us joy that even though we will suffer that these things I have written and I want to read this scripture also I've alluded to it a couple times in Matthew uh, chapter 28 verse 20 this is the great commandment teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This is what the purpose of the doctrine of Christ is, that his joy will be in us and will remain in us. What an awesome thing. This is a blessing that is so unbelievable that most people would, it would boggle their minds and it would all of us that this is actually a possibility. But oh, it is such a great blessing from the Father when we understand really what the Father is, the Mm. God that's a God of joy, whatever he does, even when the Father has to bring judgment, he rejoices in it because he knows that it's for the best of his children. Now, in John chapter 14, verse 28, ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice if ye loved me, ye would rejoice because I said, I go to the father for my father's greater than I. Now the disciples lost a little bit of joy here. They became sorrowful. If ye love me, ye would rejoice. Lack of love for Christ will cause us to lose our joy. Now it was a hard thing for them to hear that their friend was going to die. Yeah. But if they really knew the heart of the father that he had to die to be the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, they would rejoice. Even in the death of Christ, they could rejoice. And it's amazing. And always when we lose our joy, it's because our love for Christ has grown cold when we lose sight of the fact that our supreme, we love him because he first loved us and we identify with what he did. That's what we're all about. We're just all about doing his will, putting forth the kingdom, uh, bringing souls to the kingdom. The gospel's good news, by the way, that for joy, great tidings, of great peace and joy. So that's what we're all about, bringing this joy to people. Mm-hmm. And and in the hardest of times and another uh, another difficult time of uh, the great forerunner of Christ John Baptist in John chapter 3 beginning in verse 27 and John answered and said a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven John learned that <laughs> and we have to learn that too we can't receive nothing you see what we're talking about here tonight John the Baptist we know how he wound up. He lost his head and it was on a platter. Um, and uh, John knew it wasn't from him. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. He goes on to say, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He rejoiced knowing that even though he knew he was going to die, he could rejoice because he had heard the voice of the bridegroom. And it was more important. God called him to be the forerunner of Christ, to herald and prepare the nation for his coming.
0: And he was obedient.
1: Unto the death. Under the death. And he rejoiced because he heard the friend of the bridegroom. He had joy in him. And he said, uh, uh, you know, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. What we're talking about here doesn't come from the carnal flesh, but it comes from the throne of God. And it's real. It's real. And the Lord wants this joy to be in each and every one of us. Now, in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 20 through 22, Jesus said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail with sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world and ye now therefore have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. When we keep our faith in the resurrected Christ, and they learned this lesson, they were like us sometimes, they were a little slow, but they got it, and uh, Peter and John And uh, the others, they were faithful unto the death. John didn't die, but he was faithful unto death. They sure tried to kill him. But this is it. What we're talking about here, no man can take from you. Nobody. It's the most precious blessing. And, you know, when you talk about the blessings of God, I don't know if you could even should use that language. The best blessing, because they're all so blessed. But what, you know, it's hard to measure anything up with joy that people can't take from us through whatever we go, and that peace and joy that comes from knowing that it's God's will that is uh, driving us on. Now, let's look at Isaiah, and we're going to hear a little bit from Brother Manton. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 and 4, it speaks of Christ. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, And acquainted with grief, as we hid as it were our faces from him, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And one of our favorite Puritans here, Thomas Manton, he said on this text, This noted the multitude of his afflictions and the greatness of them. He was a man assaulted with all kinds of sorrows and grievously afflicted with them. A man of sorrows, that is a man of miseries. The affection is put for the condition because they left a great impression upon him. All kinds of sorrows he endured for our sakes as scoffs, persecutions, contempt, Unkindness miseries hunger thirst faintness and weariness Let me briefly tell you that they were as much as might fit him to be a mediator But yet he said my joy I want to give unto you for the joy that was set before him The man of sorrows joyfully endured whatever he had to go through He didn't whine he wasn't a whiner and um, he is our, certainly our great high priest. Now, he was accused of being a wine-bibber. A wine-bibber, but I don't think anybody called him a whiner. He certainly wasn't a whiner. Uh, you know, a lot of people, my goodness, they just want to whine. It doesn't take a lot to get them whining, and I won't get going on that. First John chapter 1, you hear a lot about apostolic Christianity. I'm an apostle, I've got, uh, this is the first apostolic church of the Church of the Holy Brethren. 1 John chapter 1, this is the only apostolic message there is. That which was from the beginning, it begins like John's gospel in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That which was from the beginning, which is Christ, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and shew unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. The Apostle John declared what he saw and heard firsthand from Christ that was manifested in the flesh. That which we have seen, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy... May be full. The scriptures are written. That the joy of God. And the joy of Christ. Might be full in us. This is why we preach. This is why we teach. This is why we impart the doctrine of Christ. Because if a person. Will totally identify. With Christ and his doctrine. And his mission. They can have the most precious gift. Of joy do whatever they go through there's i don't know what gets much better than that jimmy i just don't know that's awesome now something else brother gill said on page 103 of uh, his book the um the the, uh body of divinity you got it right there all right jimmy all right there you go every week you introduce me to
0: something else and i get get
1: get right on amazon (laughs) <laughs> well I tell you what This blessed me And you know Things that are new and fresh And this just kept Exploding in my heart The more I studied it That yeah You know you think About joy being a fruit of the spirit But I would never really meditated About joy being an attribute of God I had Never thought I about said, it I said man this is great This is fresh This is wonderful And man it's good Now he said this And it would just logically follow John Gill said this This is on page 103. He may truly he may be truly said to rejoice, delight and take pleasure in his people. Now, if Jesus delight is to do the will of the father, he would naturally take delight in those of his children that are doing the will of the father that would just naturally follow, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so does the Lord rejoice over them. Now let's look at the scriptures. And you know, we might all ask ourselves the question, are we bringing joy to the heart of the Father? Are we making Jesus joyful? And there's other emotions too (laughs) that can be evoked. We'll talk about that in a moment. But in Psalm Chapter 149 and verse 4, the blessed text. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. He has pleasure and joy in his people that come to do his will. The prophet Isaiah, in um, Isaiah chapter 62 and verses 4 and 5, the text says here, Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzavah and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. And that's what, you know, that song, Beulah land, and that's what the word Beulah means is married, and even our land will be married. And there's a great comment from the the Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary. I really liked it. And he says this, Thy land shall be married to Jehovah as its Lord and husband, implying not only ownership, but protection on the part of the owner. How would that be, to have a little security from the, the Lord Most High and his holy angels? And this is the concept. We are married to Christ, and everything we have, and this was the Puritan concept, and Baxter was just all over this in teaching that every aspect of our life was to be just as married to Him as our faith. Our faith is married to Him, but souls are job, souls are family, souls are car, souls our land. That's what He's saying. The land is going to be Beulah. The land, your land will be married to Christ. Everything you have is married to Christ. All of our life for the glory of God, as the Puritans were put it. I love it. And then thy land shall be married to Jehovah as its Lord and husband, implying not only ownership but protection on the part of the owner. That's better than a pit bull and a German shepherd. Let me tell you what. Not that those don't have their proper place either, but I love that. That's so powerful. And In um, the other side of the coin, when you are married to Christ, and your land's even married to him, you can come under, you can give joy to the heart of God. But there are those that the Father says they don't bring him any joy. Let's look at the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9 and verse 17. Therefore, and I'll read the verse before that too in verse 16. For the leaders of this people cause them to err. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. <laughs> I don't, I don't even have to say anything there. That'll preach itself, won't it? For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. Oh boy, what a text. Oh, you don't want to play the fall of the leader now, let me tell you. Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men, neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for everyone is a hypocrite, an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly, for all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. No joy On those playing follow the leader with the words of apostasy, whether it be from the political arena or whether it be from the religious, playing follow the leader with liars is gonna get you in a lot of trouble. It does not bring joy to the heart of God. What brings joy to the heart of God? is focusing like a laser beam on the doctrine of christ his word his mission that's the message that's delivered that our joy might be full in malachi chapter 1 verse 10 who is there even among you that would shut the doors for (laughs) naught you know everybody that did anything they wanted a paycheck for it now i'm gonna play the organ yeah give me my you know, got to have $150 to come in, play three songs for you. Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. No pleasure at all. God rejoices in his people that are going to do his will, that have the law written in their heart, that are fulfilling that mission of Christ. That brings him joy. But this doesn't bring him joy. That doesn't bring him joy. Now, let's focus on one more text of Scripture um, so appropriate to our study and so applicable when we really get down into the nuts and bolts of, of making this a reality in our life. I want each and every person who listens to the DOC to have the joy of God in their life. I want you to have joy because that's our strength. When we can get a hold of joy, we got power. We got strength. We've got strength to do anything the Lord calls us upon us to do and to do it with joy. In Psalm 37, verse 4 and 5, this is so good. I, I got to quit. I, well, I don't have to quit saying that. It says this, delight thyself also in the Lord. Now, there's that word delight. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give these the desires of thine heart. Every promise in the word of God has conditions. And the, the, I mean, get the desire of your heart. That's pretty good, isn't it? And the condition is delighting yourself in the Lord. Now, here's another one. Here's that word we talked about when you talked about Jonathan Edwards resolutions. Commit thy way unto the Lord. And maybe we'll have talked talk more about them. I mean, maybe it'd be good for each and every one of us to write down our commitments. That that'd be, wouldn't it, be a bad thing, would it? It's made me think about it. Yeah, that's good. I love it you brought that up. That's great. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. We have three things there, don't we? Delight, commit, and trust. Delight, commit, and trust. Now let's Let's dig into that just a little bit. Let's read something from Brother Spurgeon. In the treasury of David, Brother Spurgeon said this. And oh boy, we're going to cross into a, another very profound thought here. Um,
0: Can you believe how, how in-depth he went through every verse in Psalms?
1: In the Psalms? I yeah, have those this, back there too. They're amazing. Yeah, it's three volumes. And it is such a blessing. Yeah, it is. And he'll he'll quote in here from so many of the Puritans. Yeah. And I was reading this today, and I saw a couple of guys. I'm going to have to look up. I've never heard of them or read after them before. But, uh, yeah, it's a marvelous work.
0: Well, you can yeah. imagine Mr. Spurgeon was back there when he's preaching, and he's like you, and he's he's like, and men of God from 300 years ago. And then he's like re- quoting from them, and they're people we we may not have even heard of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I read something the other day on a Friday night where he was talking. Um, he said two hundred years ago. Yeah, it was a sermon, Turner Burn. It says two hundred years ago, the thunder thundered from the pulpits of England, with the Baxters and the Bunions. And he was said, was Whit- George Whitfield?" Or he was back then too, wasn't he, George? Yeah, yeah. Whitfield came Whit- a little later. He was contemporaneous with uh, John Wesley. Wesley and mm-hmm. Whitfield worked together, but same vein. Oh yeah, he was pure to the bone. Preaching, just
0: he'd just go preach, and he they say, he was said to have such a loud voice that thousands of people could hear him. He just he would just stand outside and just preach.
1: Yeah, he preached in Philadelphia off a balcony to I, I forget the thousands of people, mm. and God gifted him to do it without a microphone. Yeah, my goodness. This is what Brother Spurgeon says on this text. But, oh, I tell you, this is so wonderful. Every name, attribute, word, or deed of Jehovah should be delightful to us. And in meditating thereon, our soul should be as glad as is the epicure who feeds delicately with a profound relish for his dainties. And it, There's that word meditation as we meditate. And one of the Hebrew words for meditation means to chew. And as we really every word, name, attribute of God should be the sweetest of food to us as we meditate on it. He said men who delight in God desire to ask for nothing but what will please God. Now, that's a very profound thought, if you will think about it. And when we really delight in doing the will of God, that individual is not going to ask God for anything outside of his will. Mm -hmm. And when we are focused on that like a laser beam, we will not be praying improperly. He said, hence, it is safe to give them carte blanche or basically a blank check. Their will will is subdued to God's will. Now think about that. And this is what Jesus said in John 15, seven, when our will is conformed to his, we can ask him for anything and he will grant it because he knows we won't ask anything improper.
0: That reminds me of the scripture where, where he's saying, I think this is not in, this wasn't Jesus. This was John, maybe, or James or somebody. He says, you ask and you you don't you don't get what you're asking for because you ask amiss.
1: Yeah, in the book of James, you ask amiss. You're asking for stuff against God's will. Well, so many now, people
0: just think that when they they you know, just we're all we've all been guilty in our lives of taking scriptures out of context. They'll just read Jesus say, ask anything and in my name and you'll get it. But they're leaving well, all that other stuff out that leads up to that and and it's yeah. and it's about Asking according to his will. If you're praying in his name, that means you're praying under his authority and anything that he would do. That's the way I'm starting to look at it. When, before you start praying effect. for something, can you imagine if, if Jesus would have prayed
1: for that? <laughs> yeah. Does that help you fulfill your work for the kingdom or does that hinder? Yeah. And John fifteen seven. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. Now, what are we talking about there? We're talking about the doctrine of Christ. If you abide in me, abide in Christ by faith, and my words abide in you. The doctrine of Christ and the words Christ said really abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If my words abide in you, and you abide in me.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, it's not amazing. Yeah. And that's just exactly what Brother Spurgeon said when he said men who delight in God, desire or ask for nothing but what will please God. Hence, it is safe to give them blank. We might ask ourselves, what can God trust us with? The more the words of Christ abide in us, the more the Father can trust granting our prayers hmm. that will help us fulfill our mission for the kingdom now he said delight delight and i can't put love in your heart the holy spirit has to shed that abroad in your heart and if you don't love jesus you're maranatha it says uh uh Anathema, Maranatha in 1 Corinthians 16. You're cursed if you don't love Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. Psalm chapter 43 and verse 4. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God my God. And you know better than most the great joy from praising God. And, um. It is just uh it is just such a great joy and such a privilege. It's a delight, and do we delight in it?
0: You you keep saying delight and I just keep thinking, uh, you know, the the first verse of that of the song with all that that we've got, and it's it's all taken from Psalm one nineteen. The verses are, and it says, Your word hid in my heart will keep me all my days. Your truth is my delight. Oh yeah. Teach me all your ways.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, that is just so blessed. Psalm 104, 34. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. And there's that word meditation. I'm going to have to do another lesson on meditation. We've done a couple. We're going to have to have another one. Yeah, Uh. I mean, that is so important. Getting the joy is so Tied to meditation, my meditation of Him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. In First Peter chapter one and verse eight, and it's hard. <laughs> I'm just getting ready to say it's hard to really put words to explain this, and you can't. First Peter one and eight, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable. And full of glory, which is an old hymn, too. But literally, the joy we're talking about, there aren't human words. It's unspeakable. Mm. It's not able. We can do our best here to tell you about it. We're trying the hardest we can, but yet we'll fall short from being able to communicate the great power and the great blessing that which we're talking about. Now, let's think a little bit about commitment. Delight trust and commit and when we trust God we trust that I mean we can trust him that whatever we suffer for serving him. He's got our back. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. So many people always, the first question you want to ask when people are saying they're having trouble controlling their thoughts and terrible thoughts coming in their mind, well, have you committed your works unto the Lord? Because until you do, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. And people want to control their thoughts without committing the works to the Lord, it won't happen. Hmm. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit, 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 commit. Make commitments, just like Brother Edwards. And here again, this concept of covenant, con- covenant is something uh, we come into an agreement. I'm going to do certain things, you're going to do certain things. We have an old covenant that was based on the law, we have a new covenant that's based. Upon the law And the doctrine of Christ The doctrine of Christ and the commandments of God It's a covenant And um, you know That is another um, Concept that We have to emphasize Because this is a concept that has been lost Just the basic idea of covenant And covenant blessing When you're in a covenant with God There are covenant blessings That you have a right to As God's child in covenant with him. Now lack of commitment is shown in this scripture in Luke 962. Th- and Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now when someone's plowing the field, or if you're tilling your garden, And you're looking around and looking behind you, boy, you're going to, it's going to be very telling. You're not going to be plowing straight. And many people, they try to serve God and they're so distracted. They're looking here, looking there. They're looking back into Egypt. They're looking into Babylon. You can't do it. You have to be focused on the doctrine of Christ, the commandments of God. Focus like a laser beam. Identify identification with the Great Commission and fulfilling that Great Commission of Christ. And if you will do that, you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory, so wonderful and marvelous that our best efforts to describe this joy to you will fall short. It is just something that you must experience. I want to read something here. Uh, from Matthew Poole, he said on this text in Psalm 37, he said, The desires of thine heart, thy just desires, or whatsoever is truly desirable and good for thee, which limitation is necessarily to be understood both from divers places of Scripture and from the nature of the things, for it is unreasonable to imagine that God would engage himself to grant their sinful and inordinate desires, and it would also be a curse to them to have them granted. And this is what sets us apart from the Copenhagens. Uh, They say you can just speak into existence and claim whatever you will. We're saying that when you are focused like a laser beam on fulfilling the will of God, the doctrine of Christ, that then the Lord will be able to trust you with a whole bunch. He'll be able to pour out his blessings on you, and he will be able to give you that joy that we all desire. Psalm 84 and 11, we're going to close with this. In Psalm 84 and 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from them that walk up rightly. What a scripture. Mm -hmm. And have just a little bit of comment from Brother Spurgeon on that. He said, a sun for happy days and a shield for dangerous ones. A sun above, a shield around, a light to show the way, and a shield to ward off its perils. Blessed are they who journey with such a convoy. Grace makes us walk uprightly and this secures every covenant blessing to us. I love that phrase, the covenant blessing. We're not talking about just blessings. You know, a lot of people have their prayers answered for the devil, they really do. We're talking about covenant blessings, from being in covenant with God, doing his will, the really good things. Those are the really good things. He goes on to say, "'No good thing will he withhold from them "'that walk uprightly. "'Nothing that is evil can be desired, "'and nothing that is good shall be denied.'" What a statement, I wanna read that one more time. "'Nothing that is evil can be desired and nothing that is good shall be denied i love it praise be to god for his unspeakable blessing
0: With all of my heart.